Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com. Strategy, streams, and singles, LegitMTG has it all. Oh yeah, and now us. So check us out every Thursday on LegitMTG.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product. TG Taps. I'm Big Head Joe. And I'm Stephen Marshall. And we have, like, we have more stuff to talk about than we even know what to do with. There's so much stuff going on right now in the world of magic. Um, and uh, so we're going to do our best to trudge through all this stuff that's gone on in the last week. Uh, so strap in, keep up. Uh, so first of all, um, we got some details uh, during uh, San Diego Comic-Con about cons of Tarkir. Um, without going into all the minutia of the set, um, like so the, the, the basics of the set is that it's a ta- uh, Tarkir is home to five clans of warriors that are each led by a con. Um, and there used to be dragons on the Tarkir, but they're now extinct. Oh, and I like I like this. Sarkon, he left his home plane in order to encounter dragons on other planes. So he started posting like uh Craigslist misconnections for dragons on other planes. It's pretty sweet. You, dragon I think I may have seen in the distance. <laughs> Me, scraggly bearded fellow with uh with a staff and uh sometimes I make dragons fly out of my butt. Uh, could you be the one? Yeah, it sounds like Sarkon's got some, uh, some weird Avatar love story going on with these dragons. I'm not sure. I'm sure they'll fill it in in the rest of the set. That's a reference that's lost on me. I spared myself the anguish of watching that movie. Um, (laughs) but, uh... uh, I I won't go into it. uh, Great. So, uh, apparently time travel's involved in the story, uh... It's going to be interesting. Uh, the main thing I really want to touch on about this, though, are the clans of Tarkir. So um, people, of course, as always, are already going, they sound so stupid. It's so, so stupid. It's, they don't make any sense. It's stupid. What do you think, Stephen? You think they're stupid? Oh, uh, yeah. I think so. <laughs> See, the way I look at this is that, like, we always think everything's stupid at first. And then within like two months, we'll just be using these names without, you know, without even batting an eye. So, uh, junk now mercifully gets a name, uh, the house of Abzan and each, Ab- and each Abba Zabba. each <laughs> he's feeling it. No, but, um, the, the clans of Tarkir, each one represents a wedge. So it's, uh, you know, two allied colors with an enemy color wedged on in between there. So, uh, the houses of Abzan are white, black, and green. Their main color is white. The Khan is, I'm not even going to try to do all this, but I just want to talk about the names really. So house of Abzan is white, black, and green. 
Jeskai is red, uh, blue, red, and white. Uh, Soltai is as red, white, and blue. These colors don't run. It's blue, red, and white. Um, Soltai Brood is black, green, and blue. The Mardu Horde is red, white, and black. And the is it Teemer or Temer? Teemer Frontier is green, blue, and red. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, they sound funny because they're fantasy names. But I guarantee you we'll be saying, uh, you know, Abzan Midrange or Jeskai Control without even, like, thinking twice about it by November. So, um, I feel like Sultai is the only one that really I could actually see myself saying at the moment. Every single one. You'll be saying them in two months. Because the thing is, they're going to have – like, Star City Games is going to start saying them on their coverage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Wizards is going to start saying them on their coverage. And you're going to hear them enough times that it's just going to become natural. And you're just going to start saying them. It's not going to be a big deal. It's really just fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess, like, even after saying it a million times, Dragon's Maze almost sounds like an okay name for a set. <laughs> it's, it's, like, only, like, 20% as ridiculous as when I originally heard it. So maybe these will grow on me. Yeah, sure. I never I never even thought about the name. I don't even care. Um, but I can you, see. I, I went to, when you mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, Dragon's Maze is kind of a lame name for a set. But I didn't even consider that as a you know, as a possibility until you said something. It, it just seemed to play into too many uh, <laughs> nerdy stereotypes. True, true. It's like, well, that's like, 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 you know, like we said back in the, uh, back in the day with uh, Brimaz, King of Arescos. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just like, everything about that card name just makes us just seem nerdier than we have to. It's just well, not, it's not fair. The, I mean, the only thing that, so I guess so far I've not, I haven't gotten a, a great impression uh, or first impression from the set. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am glad that they're going to be three color wedges. I've, I've played a few uh, throwback drafts of uh, shards of Alara, which was really sweet, but just, yeah, the names didn't seem that great, which is fine. I'm sure we'll get used to them, but then like the imagery, I don't know what it was. It just kind of, uh, it, I, there's like images for each, each of the clans and they, they didn't seem, or each of the cons. I don't Maybe. know. Uh, yeah. Each of the brute, I don't know which, what, what they're called yet, but, the the images it's it's like it's like a cartoony version of Champions of Kamigawa kind of hmm. and I don't know I don't know if that's the theme they're going for like they're trying to redeem themselves there um, and yeah there's there's one of the the clans or uh, wedges not yeah wedges um, sure. that uh, people have they... already you know done the side by side where it looks like uh, Kung Fu Panda basically <laughs> I, I'm I'm just concerned that it this might be wizards um, I don't know what was the World of Warcraft expansion, Mists of Pandaria or something Pandaria, like that. Pandaria, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that—that's the only concern I have so far. But uh, I'm sure it'll be better than I'm expecting. Yeah, um, you know, I I love the art of the guy punching the bear in the face, though. Well, that was excellent. There's absolutely nothing cooler than that. That might be my favorite art of all time. Um, I gotta send that to my friend Josh because he's always telling stories about bears. Um. Yeah, I, I, I'm almost 
not looking forward to finding out. I, I want that image to be just be without any context whatsoever. True. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so, you know, one exciting thing we can uh, talk about is that Morph is coming back. Uh, Morph's going to be in all uh, all five of the clans. Um, and then each clan has its own mechanic. And one of the mechanics apparently is a returning mechanic. Um, and then the cards will have watermarks of the clan symbol. Uh, which is pretty interesting. Um, now, one thing I can say that I really do like um, is um, for the pre-release, um, the players get to choose one of the five clans, and you get a box based on their choice. And there are 40 promo cards for the pre-release. I like this. Eight cards per clan. So what I really like about that is the fact that you're not going to know what your pre-release like rare is. So people aren't just going to, I mean, people still might flock to what they think is overall the strongest color, or maybe has the highest percentage of value cards. Um, but just the simple fact of having a little more randomness with the seeded pack, you know, and, and, and again, I hate the seeded packs. I wish they would do away with them entirely, but just adding a little more of a guessing game to it just makes it a little bit better. I feel. Um, and then there's also apparently a pin of the clan symbol that comes with each box, um, which sounds pretty neat. Um, and uh, the other sets of the block are not wedge sets. So that's another interesting thing to note about cons. Cons is the only wedge set. The other sets aren't. So, um, uh, the set, like, so the draft format is going to be really unique this, uh, for this set too. So, um, for, uh, for cons, you know, you draft cons, cons, cons. Uh, when the second set comes out, you draft the second set cons, cons. When the third set comes out, you draft third set, third set, second set. Hmm. So no more cons in the third set, like, when the third set's out, it's just the third set and the second set is the draft sets, um, which is really interesting. Oh, wow. I did not ever see this until just now. Um, the second set is coming out in January. Yeah, they moved everything forward a month. And the third set is coming out in March. I really like that because it just takes a month away from the just dead time in between sets. Yeah, those doldrums. A, yeah, the yeah winter doldrums. Um, for real. So that's that's really fantastic. So good. We'll get right into this block, which is exciting. Um, uh, is there anything else you want to say? Oh, there's one card that we have had spoiled that we might as well talk about since we're talking about uh everything else. Um, one card has been spoiled so far from the set. Um, and it is, uh, from, I don't remember the, the wedges already. Mardu. It is from the Mardu horde. Um, and the card is Zergo Helm Smasher. Would you like to read Zergo Helm Smasher? I would, um, <laughs> if I had them pulled up. Just oh, so. okay. Then I'll read it. Yeah. Um, so Zergo Helm Smasher is two red, white, black. Um, it's a 7-2 legendary creature orc warrior. It has haste. Zergo Helm Smasher attacks each combat if able. 
Uh, Zergo Helm Smasher has indestructible as long as it's your turn. Whenever a creature dealt damage by Zergo Helm Smasher, this turn dies. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Zergo Helm Smasher. And uh, it is a mythic rare. It's from the Speed versus Cunning dual deck, which I guess is also something else we need to talk about. Uh, I guess we don't. It's, it's, it's a set. It's a dual deck, and it's going to have um, Arcanus the Omnipotent um, as the uh, blue um, foil for the, set, for, the, for the other deck. Um, that's pretty neat. Um, also, something I just learned about, I can't remember what it's even called, but there is a set coming out. It's a dual decks anthology. Did you hear about mm-hmm. this at all? Yeah, so they're basically re-releasing, was it the first five dual decks first they printed? First four. First four, okay. As a set. Oh, all together? I didn't all know that. To- all together, yeah. God, um, how much is that going to cost? Uh, well, I mean, you imagine they were 20 bucks each, so probably MSRP for 80 Right? Yeah, that's not what you're going to pay, though. Maybe, because, I mean, you think about it, this is going to knock all the prices down on a lot of those cards because it's like reprint, 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 reprints of reprints. I mean, Reprint. It's, Sorry. <laughs> I mean, like, because the older the older copyrights are going to hold value, you mm-hmm. know? So, like, um, and then also they'll have the new borders, too. So the old borders will help the other ones right, maintain their value as well. Um, so I don't see I don't see that really changing much i think it's an exciting thing i'll wind up buying it it's pretty neat um i don't know when that's coming out i don't have any information in front of me i just like i think i I just caught something about it on twitter randomly today so uh so that's that um cool so let's try to keep trudging through this information is there anything else you want to say about cons before we move on uh zergo helm smasher seems like a slightly better phyto titan so who knows if that's playable? There was a Phyto Titan in the sideboard of one of the Pro Tour decks. Which, was it? Uh, yeah, there was, which uh, leads us into a good transition. So um, let me just say, so it was in, I think it was in the Green Devotion, one of the Green Devotion lists was running Phyto Titan in the sideboard. Or maybe that was at the SCG Open. I can't remember. Uh, Todd Anderson was running one in the sideboard of his Mono Green deck, I believe. There we go. Um, and I mean, do you see why that would be good? Well, yeah, I mean, it requires a jump basically every other turn. Well, well, the thing is, you can sacrifice it to Desecration Demon every combat and never have to deal with a Desecration Demon. Hmm. Which is one thing that I noticed. I was like, oh, you do it on their turn, you get it back on your turn. Like, every time. So that's one thing you can do. And then the other thing is, is it just totally gets around Wraths. So you're playing against Control, they Wrath. You know, you get it back when you're upkeep. Yeah, it's tapped. You know, you can't use it till the following turn, but it is a 7-2. You know what I mean? And, hmm. like, they don't have a lot of blockers sitting around just to chump it all day. Yeah, so, and if it's the uh, planar cleansing deck, there's just no way for them to deal with it. Right. I mean, what's they going to do? Jace minus 1 minus 1? Okay, that's great. It's 6 damage now. It's pretty good. I think it's really... Yeah. It, it, it's, it's better, like, thinking about it in context of the current standard environment, it's not a bad play at all. Um, and I, and I like it and, you know, let's see if I, if I add it to my deck or if I even play the green devotion anymore, because at this point, I think I'm done playing standard, um, until rotation, uh, just because 
There's no other events for us, right? I don't think. There's game day. I can't even make it. I got to work all weekend. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm having a birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. So, uh, you know, well, I'm not working Saturday. Saturday, uh, we're going to this thing. Um, it's like a Comic-Con appreciation thing. Uh, so, so it's a free admission thing at the Irving Convention Center. And um, uh, the actor who played Clem in Buffy the Vampire Slayer is going to be there. And Peter Mayhew is going to be there. The guy who played Chewbacca, for those of three of you who don't know who Peter Mayhew is. And then uh, the one that I actually saw when I looked at the list, I got really excited, is that one of the artists and co-creators of Morning Glories the oh, wow. is going to be there. Yeah, it's like one of my favorite comic books. So, like... I've got like the first 22 issues of that, you know? So I'm like, I have all the trades. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I have like all the single issues up to like issue 22. I didn't read too terribly far into it, but like, you know, I've collected them and I love that comic. So like, I was just like, Whoa, it wasn't even, that was a bonus. I wasn't even expecting. We were just going to go, you know, screw around and meet Chewbacca and and Clem. You know what I mean? But then I was just like, Oh man, I'm going to have to grab my comics, get them signed. That'd be amazing. So, so yeah, so that's going on. And uh, just real quick, speaking of comic books, um, go see Guardians of the Galaxy. Spend the money. Go see it in 3D. Uh, I went and saw it IMAX 3D on Sunday uh, for my uh, uh, sister-in-law's birthday with my wife and her. We all went uh, and saw it, and it was a fantastic movie. And I don't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy. Never read a page of a comic book involving those characters. And I didn't need to. It was just, it was just engaging. It was funny. It was sad. It was just, uh, it was just really, really a great movie. And it's packed into two hours, which I just really love. Like that kind of sci-fi, sort of epic movie. You feel like they would, you know, bloat that to the extreme, but they didn't. They just packed it into two hours, and uh, it was just the most fun I've had seeing a movie since the last movie I saw in the theater, Anchorman Two. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I don't go to the movies that often. Um, but, uh, it was great. And, uh, Dave, uh, Batista, AKA Batista from the WWE was easily the breakout star of the film. Um, you know, he proved that he has a range that, uh, I'm sure nobody gave him credit for before seeing this movie. Uh, so great movie. Go see it. Um, let's move on to the pro tour stuff. So, um, Talk to me. Tell me about the Pro Tour. So I didn't get to watch too much of the Pro Tour because I was busy uh, doing the birthday stuff for her on Sunday. And then we were just playing in the SCG Open on Saturday. So um, I, I got to look at a little bit of the coverage. And, uh, you know, we saw the, uh, you know, none of the decks that top aided were were super new decks. No, not, not entirely. So I got to watch uh, or at least listen to a good amount of the coverage on Friday. Yeah, and then on Saturday, since we uh, we finished rather early, spoiler alert, uh, got to <laughs> yeah, I got to see the the last few rounds there and uh, managed to watch probably like half the top eight on Sunday. So I got a pretty decent impression of the uh, of what was going on there. Um, I mean, the main impressions uh, that I, that I got from the tour were basically that uh, there was a lot less mono black on camera for what I saw, yeah. and I'm not sure if that was just that everyone was already one step ahead of that in terms of uh, you're going to show up with a deck to beat mono black or they didn't want to put mono black on camera since um, it's something I think, I think most people following standard have already seen. Um, but I think the top, the top eight kind of reflected 
the fact that everyone came to the Pro Tour with a plan to beat Mono Black. So it was either went with card advantage by playing the blue-white deck or um, these uh, Jun Planeswalker decks that just built, you know, built up enough advantage that got you more than one card for their one removal and kind of overload their hero's downfalls. Or you just went under their removal with uh, an aggressive deck. So uh, there weren't any in the top eight, but I guess one of the more talked about decks at the tournament was was Rabble Red uh, Aggro, which it was basically Boss Sly, um, maybe a little bit little bit slower than Boss Sly. It didn't run uh, a Crow and Crusaders or um, uh, Madcap skills or anything like that, but it still had you know the core of Rakdos Cackler. Fire Drinker Seder, Burning Tree Emissary, uh, Fire Fist Striker, um, and uh, Founder Street Denizen. Uh, but then it curved up to Goblin Rabble Master, which um, I, that was one of the the cards that I was I was hoping. I didn't know if it'd be too slow, but I was hoping that the, that you know someone on the Pro Tour would be able to at least build a deck for it. Since my experience playing the card in Limited was it was just completely. Um, uh, just overpowering if, they, if if your opponent doesn't have an answer for it, or God forbid, if they don't have any like a board presence, they can't block it. Uh, yeah. Because on on an empty board, or uh, you know, if you have like one Foundry Street Denizen, you're you're swinging for huge amounts of damage the next turn. I mean, like nine, ten, and then if you have any tricks, I mean, the game ends. You only you only need to be active for like you you have to untap with it, maybe a turn or two, and the game's over. It's it's pretty incredible the amount of damage you can put up. Um, so, uh, that was pretty interesting. There's they did a deck tech on the, the, the rabble red, uh, aggressive deck. And, uh, that's probably the deck I, if, if I don't try to, you know, brew something up that that'd be the deck I play in standard for the remaining, uh, remaining month of standard. Nice. Um, the, so that was, that was, that was the one card I hit on in terms of like, uh, this has a lot of potential from M15. I, I hope someone breaks the other two. And I, I didn't really see anyone that, uh, played either of these cards. I was, I was hoping that. I just figured that creatures are a lot better now than they were in original Ravnica block. I thought quarter calling would make a splash uh, in some way that I was not expecting, but uh, it does not appear that it has. And uh, Heliod's Pilgrim, it just seems like uh, there's a lot of things you could do with that card. Uh, a free tutor effect seems seems like it should be able to be something you, you could break after a uh, enchantment-themed set. Yeah, maybe you, maybe you court of calling for a Heliod's Pilgrim. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't know. seem like a bad idea, honestly, because you get to search for the pilgrim and then you get to search for an enchantment. It's almost like, you know. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> the, 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 what I had in mind was probably um, Heliot's Pilgrim into. So you'd have to be red white so you could search up Change of the Rocks. Yeah. Uh, that just seems like the best possible interaction. Yeah, it's um, good. And then from there, I, I did like a search on, on Gatherer. I was trying to put this deck together like the night of the event, and I, I you know. The night or the night before SCG Dallas, and I, I just did not have the time. I, I couldn't decide between uh, Naya or um, Mardu, uh, red, white, black. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, because just searching up Underworld Connections seems awesome. So, uh, it has to be white, it has to be red, and uh, I, I was split on on what the last color would be. It'd either be green or uh, black. Green for something like uh, Unflinching Courage or uh, black for something like Underworld Connections. Uh, then red, I don't know. I don't know what red enchantments there are. I saw someone talking about Awaken the Ancients, which I kind of liked, but <laughs> that's a little that's a little extreme. Um, anyway, that has nothing to do with the Pro Tour. So 
the the only real new deck I saw was uh, the the Rabble Red, and then there's a I think did you see the the deck tech on on No Limit Soldiers? I did not. I just saw the name and fell in love instantly. Yeah, I I liked it a lot. I think it played something. I want to say almost twenty uh, one drops, or maybe a little less than that. But basically, every one drop soldier, including uh, uh, Legion loyalist, uh, soldier of the Pantheon, um, Dryad militant, a bunch of things I did not know were I didn't know Legion loyalist was a a soldier, uh, which is just weird. Goblins are usually warriors, actually. Uh, since I've <laughs> uh, I've also tried to uh, do any anytime there's like a tribal deck available in on on Magic, I I. I, I hit gatherer and start searching to see what's available. Um, but they basically just overload on one drops uh, and they played four um, launch the fleets. And they also played, uh, they also played a crowd crusader that, that can lead to the most broken starts. Actually um, a crowd crusader, one uh, spear of Heliod, um, four of the chosen hoplite or something like that. And then four Dyna charge. And then uh, the best was for, um, oh, no, I don't know it. It's the uh, Convoke um, tribal thing. They, it's like a six-mana artifact where you can get all... Obelisk all... of Erd. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, they, talk about, they talked about a play where it's like you could play in a, a Crone Crusader on one. On turn two, you can double launch the fleet it. So uh, two heroic triggers, so now you're attacking with three... Um, creatures with haste then you swing and you get two launch the fleet triggers so now you have <laughs> one two three uh five total and then you could just uh convoke out um the obelisk on turn three <laughs> which is wow. crazy and then you have just a gigantic board and you kill them basically um, because then you have enough man to cast a spell or even play um raise the alarm yeah and which also makes soldiers. And then you have just a ridiculous board on turn four. You have, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> it's something like, you have like a, more than 20 power on the board. It, it was really cool. Um, if anyone ever plays Anger the Gods or Drown in Sorrow, then before you can get the earth. The, the thing is the obelisk can come down really fast. So I want to try the deck out, but it definitely has some uh, some weak points. But that was the only other like new deck that I really thought was cool. Um <clears throat> I guess going into the top eight, I don't know if you saw anything before that. Yeah, so the top eight was um, two uh, black-white mid-range decks by uh, Huey Jensen and Owen Turtenwald. Yeah. Um, <laughs> those pretty are funny. kind of black decks, though. You were saying not a lot of mono-black, but those are typical. Yeah, so that, that was the other way you could beat. So, yeah, you could either go aggro, you could out-card advantage uh, mono-black, or you could splash white to kind of break the mirror because there's not really an answer to... Um, uh, <laughs> the big vampire. I can't even remember his name now. Uh, Blood Baron. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, that was the other way you could beat Bob Black is you just drop that and they don't. They don't really have an answer. Um, there was a Niagara deck uh, by Pat Cox. There was the eventual winner, uh, Blue White Control, by Even Floke, Flock, Waka Flocka. I don't know. Um, I, I was not a fan. I mean. It was obviously a very good choice since it, it has game versus all the decks in the field, but it is it is the grindiest possible control deck. Um, it doesn't even run Elspeth in the main. It doesn't even run a win condition in the main. It runs two Mutavaults. Yeah, two Mutavaults, three Jace. Yeah, so what, do you just take their threat and beat them with it? 
Yeah, it was actually pretty cool. Uh, sadly, in the first round of the top eight, um, he played against uh, one of the other decks in there. Uh, there was actually a Boros Burn deck played by Matt Sperling, who mm. I was obviously rooting for in uh, the first round. Um, unfortunately, uh, it was not Esper Control. It's Blue-White Control, which is just a horrible matchup for Burn because they basically when you, you run with Burn, you're just counting on people not to play counter spells. Um, and, and for the most part, Esper Control uh, this standard season has just been a tap out, um, produce threats and, and tap out for your reactionary cards like uh, Supreme Verdict and Detention Sphere and Jace uh, decks. But this one, no. This is a lot of counter spells and um, not taking any damage from your lands. So, and also main deck, Elix- that Elixir of Immortality is actually the win condition, which is just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that kind of deck being being successful. Uh, some serious sour grapes on my part, but uh, so yeah. In the in the first round versus Bor- uh, Boros Burn, um, the blue white control deck was able to ultimate Jace and go grab their young Pyromancer, and ultimately make something like twelve or thirteen tokens with all the quickens and divinations, and uh, that was the win condition: was take their young Pyromancer and then go off from there, basically. I yeah. Like that. No, <laughs> it was. It was extremely tedious to watch, and I'm uh, uh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry to all the blue-white control fans out there. Uh, I'm sorry, Joey. I'll be so happy all the Azorius cards rotate. I'm so very, very glad to hear that or <laughs> see that happening. Um, so the other the other decks that were in the top eight was there was two Jun Walkers deck, like Jun Planeswalkers decks. Yeah. Um, so so the first one had that was it was the more traditional one that we had kind of seen in the SE kind of seen in the SCG, SCG uh, event the week before and also a little bit on Modo. Um, it ran three Vraska, three Chandra, and three Zinigos. And then there was a really cool deck uh, by uh, Yuki Ichikawa, and it ran four Zinigos, two Chandra, well, one Vraska, and then four Nissas, even though it only runs nine forests, which is just amazing. <laughs> four Nissa. Mm-hmm. Why? It, yeah, so that's the thing. Like, I, 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 that's obviously I'm not on the pro tour. And I couldn't have seen this, and but watching it in action, it just seems so so obvious now in hindsight that it, that so it has two plus ones, and you don't really need the untap the forest ones really. So originally I thought like, oh yeah, there's no way that you can run Nissa in green black because you don't run enough forest. It's horrible, but the the plus one where you just make a four four trampler every single turn, like. That's just so much better than like Zinigos making a two-two. I mean, these things basically have haste because the the you know the land's generally in play, so it's making four-four tramplers every turn uh, with haste. And other than Supreme Verdict, there's not a lot of commonly played removal spells that actually kill these things. Um, they're lands, so Abrupt Decay can't hit them. Uh, Detention Sphere can't hit them. I don't think Ultimate Price can hit them because they're technically colorless, so they're not one color. Uh, so basically, like Doomblade can hit them, and they can all die to Supreme Verdict. But uh, you know, you're only probably gonna you're gonna take a pretty big hit if you're responding to them with Supreme Verdict, and then it does nothing uh, about Nissa. She can start making more lands the next turn. It's, it, I, I was I was like that that's I was really impressed by that that choice. Um, and the last deck of the top eight was uh, Green White Aggro deck played by uh, Jackson Cunningham, uh, who this was actually his first Pro Tour, and he made the finals. Um, it was. His play was incredibly impressive since uh, I, I've been known to play some uh, green-white creature decks. 
but he he took some lines I, I just did not see. I probably wouldn't have seen in a million years that were like just in retrospect the best possible uh, lines to take to win, no matter you know playing around just anything possible in the opponent's hand. It was, it was really uh, great to watch. Um, the I mean basically spoiler alert. Uh, not spoiler alert since it's <laughs> this happened last week now, but uh, Blue Eye Control won. Um, and you know, what, what are you gonna do about that? But, uh, the only, the only really cool play I saw, or there's a lot of cool plays, but the one that got the biggest crowd reaction in the top eight, um, if, if people watch coverage, they probably know what I'm talking about, but, uh, there was a, there was a Golgari charm play that was, uh, really sweet. Um, all right. Yeah. I'll just walk through it really quick. So Ichikawa was at six life. And he's got uh, scavenging goose with three, uh, sorry, two counters on it. So it's a four, four, a uh, bunch of land and a muta vault. And he just drew a card. Uh, he had been empty handed. Um, Cunningham, he was playing against the green, white aggro deck. Ichikawa was running the, the Jund uh, planeswalkers deck with uh, the Nissas, but there was no planeswalkers out, just the ooze and a uh, bunch of land. And uh, Cunningham was at 20 life with a voice token, elemental token and a, um, a 5-5 five, five Worm token from Advent of the Worm. Yeah. And uh, he has one card in hand. It's Selesnya Charm. So basically, he's trying to... He swings with just the Worm token, the 5-5 five, five Trampler. Um, and he's trying to bait uh, Ichikawa into blocking with the Scavenging Ooze. And the both graveyards, both graveyards are just full. So um, he's trying to bait uh, Ichikawa. And Ichikawa would have been playing around Selesnya Charm. Uh, he's trying to bait Ichikawa into blocking the worm because he's at six life and any trick kills him if he doesn't block. Um, to blocking the worm with the ooze token, or not the ooze, the ooze creature, and then growing the ooze to a 5-5 five five so that Cunningham can then target the ooze with his Celestia charm to exile it and the worm just tramples over him. Right. So uh, Ichi, Ichikawa does this, he blocks. And, you know, he very, you know, he's, he's, he, he goes in the tank. Um, he was going to the tank about every, every decision here in terms of like, you know, passing priority and all that. And, and, you know, finally exiles, um, the, uh, voice resurgence from Cunningham's, uh, graveyard to grow the ooze and gain a life to five, five. So obviously Cunningham casts Selesnya charm targeting the scavenging ooze and in response, and no one had seen the card. Uh, Ichikawa casts Golgari Charm using the... Minus one, minus one? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. <It's dirty. laughs> yeah, to basically effectively counter it since now the ooze is only a 4-4. Four, four. That's dirty. Oh, it. man. The crowd went crazy. I, I, yeah, it was amazing. So he basically effectively counters the Golgari Charm because it, it, it can't target it. Can't it, the go the sorry it ca- the Golgari charm is so this is charm on charm violence here the the Golgari charm countered effectively the Selesnya charm targeting Ichikawa's scavenging goose at, since it became a four four and it was shrunk. So then once then, the, so once that was off the stack he could pump out of yeah he yeah he pumped it out oh, of range it's so to good. kill the worm and then because the el- elemental tokens equal to you know the number of creatures that Cunningham controls it had minus one minus one. And now the only other creature on the battlefield is gone. So the token goes away too. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. So it went from like, there's just no way for Ichikawa to win the match to he, he eventually to not to win the match, but to, to win that game. He was, I, I couldn't see a possible out. Uh, he eventually won that game, but then lost the third game and, and lost the match. But that, that play was just, that was probably the highlight of, of the coverage that I watched. That was That's, amazing. That is stellar. That is a stellar play. Yeah, that's the kind of wow. stuff I want to see when I'm watching the Pro Tour. I'm like, okay, that's 
That is seriously impressive. Um, so yeah, do do yourself a favor and watch like maybe the minute, minute and a half before that. Um, yeah. It was it, it, the theatrics of it. Ichikawa was um, because he was just getting beaten down. He had you know almost no creatures in play. He's at six life. So like with each attack, he was like, <laughs> he was like, he was like, I don't even know if he's doing this. He's just playing it up. I think he was, but he's, you know, a very uh, gingerly and like with his hands almost shaking, like, you know, just slightly pushing his creatures up to block uh, Cunningham's, you know, just looking like, you know, he's completely defeated is, is pretty great. It is a great performance. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was probably my favorite. That was my favorite match of the, my favorite game of the, the pro tour. Um, that was just a great play. I loved it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so that's so cool. I absolutely love that. Yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much um, all the all the things of interest I could think of from the from from watching the pro tour. Well, the one the one thing I did watch on um, on the pro tour coverage was the deck tech uh, for the Hail Hydra deck, um, which um, I don't have the guy's name. I don't have anything in front of me right now, but uh, yeah, that's, that's the, I, that, that one I missed actually. I haven't seen that one. So, so uh, it was a green red um, devotion list. Um, and it ran, um, it ran, what did, was it green red? Maybe I'm totally off base here. Maybe it was just mono green. I think it was just mono green. There was a green red devotion um, that was running Xenagos and um, maybe a couple other things. But um, this one, I think, was just a mono green deck. Uh, but what I was really uh, interested in was the fact that, you know, in coming up with the deck that I eventually played at the SCG Open Transitions, um, it, it, um, I, I, got, I got a lot of numbers right. So um, the one thing he had that I didn't was um, four Genesis Hydras, which I did not have. Uh, I had three. Um, I had 14 mana dorks. That would be four burning tree, four Seder, four mystic, two Sylvan Caryatid, and they, and, uh, he had that as well. And then 23 lands, um, as opposed to the 22 that some decks were running, the 24 that others were running. Um, and I, I was, I was, I was pleased to see that I got those numbers right, you know? Um, but I don't know. Uh, I like the green black splash a lot better than uh, going mono green. Um, and, and I get what you're saying about the Nissa and, and yeah, Nissa would have been pretty good, but I like the deck that I ran and I liked having the access to Vraska. So um, I just looked at his deck list. I'm very sad to say there's no savage born Hydra in there. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a sweet mana sink. Is it a green red though? Yeah. It's one. Uh, no, it's uh, it's hybrid. You could play either one green or one red. No, I'm saying it's green red. Yeah, it's the got the Xenagod and um, yeah, yeah, okay, Domri that's... and some other stuff. Right, that's what it had. The Xenagos and the Domri. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, that, that seemed really interesting too. Um, but I liked what I did. Uh, let's just go ahead and talk about the open, and then we'll go back if we have time and talk about all these changes to the Pro Tour and and all that stuff. Sure. Cool. So, um, so we played in the SCG Open uh, on Saturday, and uh, we didn't do so hot. Um, but hey, you know, uh, it was it was a fun fun tournament to play in. Uh, Seven hundred and fifty people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we we were represented. Uh, you know, we've got a team, Team CGG Common Ground Games, and we were represented pretty deep there. It was pretty cool. Uh, about like you know, ten, eleven, twelve of us there. 
so it was good to see the store get a lot of uh, just a lot of press in a way. You know, not like any of us were on real feature matches. Peter got in a feature match, but it wasn't on camera. Um, but you know, just to get the name out there a lot and uh, and you know show off the shirts and do our thing. Um, so I want to play in green, black devotion. Uh, my list is on, uh, my legit MTG article. Uh, the main things that I added for, for black were I had two main deck Vraskas, uh, because the card was just amazing. And, um, and one main deck Farika. Um, originally I really wanted to run the Garrick. Uh, the new Garrick. But it turns out Vraska does everything I wanted to do with new Garrick for less mana. So I could actually cast it if my opponents forced me to play fair and like wipe my board or something. So it was nice to be able to just have the option to play it for five if I had to play it for five. Um, and then sideboard abrupt decays and and um, what do you call them? Uh, Golgari charm. One Golgari charm. Uh, and then uh, do make giant out of my sideboard and um, the my favorite choice for the sideboard uh, which was the uh, stain the mind um, which Steven was very much opposed to mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, let me just tell you how this worked so in round two of the tournament um, round one I beat a black white devotion deck um, round two I played against I'm pretty sure I want to say it was blue white control. It might've been Esper. I just can't really remember. Um, and I felt bad first two rounds. I don't know if I even told you this first two rounds. I played against pizza league guys. Um, and, and, and they, they were like, man, we haven't tested this deck at all. Like, and I was just like, awesome. (laughs) Because like, (laughs) cause they just did not know what to take for me. Like, um, I, I, I kept a one land hand in game one and round one against black devotion. And, uh, he was on the play. Um, I played a temple round one, uh, game, turn one past. I played a, um, Nykthos into a elvish mystic turn two, um, and passed. And then, um, he looked at my hand with the lifebane zombie the next turn. And it was like, Double Burning Tree, Caryatid, Double Eidolon of Blossoms, um, Cursor, and like Genesis Hydra or something like that. And he wound up taking the Cursor. And, and then like, and so then the next turn I was able to play um, Burning Tree, God. Burning Tree, Eidolon. The next turn he followed up with another Lifebane Zombie and then Good Boy took the uh, other Eidolon of Blossoms. Um, but, like, by that point, I was just really, like, really ahead of things. Um, so, uh, anyway, so round two, um, playing against Esper Control, I want to say it was Esper, um, my game two goes something like this. I beat him game one. Game two, I sideboard. I side in the stain the mines. I draw it in my opening hand. Um, I go turn one, um, I think overgrown tomb untapped and then play a mystic and pass. And then turn two, I play uh Nykthos into a voyaging Seder and I pass the turn. And then the turn three. So he's got land. He plays a, like a scry land turn in his turn three. Um, on my turn three, um, 
I play, a, let's say, a forest. I don't remember if it was a forest or not. I play a forest, and then I play... So he's got two mana up. You know he's not boarding in negate against 32 creatures, you know? So he's got two mana up. I know I've got it. So I go... Um, I, I use the forest and the... Or I use the... Um, the over the overgrown tomb in the forest to play oh no i'm sorry there wasn't even a um there wasn't even an, a mystic it was turn one scryland pass turn two nykthos voyaging Seder pass so then turn three i play a forest and then i tap the two lands the two color producing lands to play a burning tree i had a red and a green I use that to activate Nykthos for three. I use the Seder to untap my temple. I tap it for black, convoke with the burning tree, and stain the mind, naming Supreme Verdict on turn three. I get the verdict out of his hand, and I get, you know, three out of his deck naturally. And then I was able to, at one point, I mean, I was so, like, in the clear because I got rid of the verdicts that at one point, he, I'm sitting across from him, I'm facing down, um, the uh, Archangel of Thune. He had Archangel of Thune out, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay. I'm like, so I need to blow up that Archangel of Thune to win, right? Because I was like, I've got lethal on board, uh, pretty much. I was like, I need to get past this Archangel. So I go Genesis Hydra for 30. <laughs> hmm. And I, a 26th card I flip over was the Vraska, and I blow up his uh, Archangel of Thune and swing in for the win. Um... The card was amazing. It was it was really really good in the deck, um, you know. I now I did have an instance where I played against a guy, and I didn't get the stain the mind straight away, and then he resolved the verdict before I was able to cast the stain, and, and then countered my stain anyway when I finally did get a chance to cast it to try to take the other verdicts. Um, so that didn't go so well, uh, but anyway, um, I wound up going three and three before I dropped. Um, Last time we played in an open, I went 11 rounds before I got my fourth loss and got like lost out of cash. And I wasn't going to do that to myself this time. So, um, you know, net $10 wasn't worth an extra six hours of my day. So definitely called, turned it in after six rounds. And um, one thing I did was I made a resolution uh, to Ricky Hayashi. Um, Ricky was asking folks to... Um, just uh, post resolutions, just not magic related exactly, but uh, just to post resolutions to uh, his Facebook wall about like things that you intend to do to just better yourself as a person. And one of the things that I, that the thing that I said was that like, you know, this weekend I'm going to play in maybe 11 rounds of magic. And uh, I resolved to, um, to have a positive attitude every round, no matter the outcome and to be, um, humble in victory and gracious in defeat. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that I really feel like I accomplished that. Um, you know, I played against like at least one opponent that I really felt like I shouldn't have lost to in terms of like, maybe like skill level or amount of time playing. And, 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 you know, like rather than like act like that, I, you know, shook his hand and wished him luck and meant it. I genuinely meant it. And, and I felt really good about that. It's really a good thing to do is to just never lose sight of the fact that we're playing a game and that it's supposed to be fun. 
Um, you know, even if it's not fun to lose, especially when there's a lot of money at stake uh, and you put a lot of work and effort into something like this, uh, just to see it, you know, go down the tubes in three straight rounds of losses. Um, you know, I could have just been completely, you know, the worst human being on earth after that third loss, but I was just really chill. And I, and I, and I just, I always feel like that's a victory because I just, I want to be able to keep myself level throughout a tournament. I don't want to let my emotions get the best of me ever because I feel like it really does affect me as a player and it, and it affects people around you. But um, anyway, that's just a little bit of rambling. Um, so I have uh, thoughts on stain the mind. <laughs> sure. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And then you can tell us about, uh, your deck and uh, the side event. <laughs> Cause I, yeah, sure. you, I was like, I don't think you have much to report about the actual event, right? Not the actual event, but I, I have some <laughs> things to say. Um, sure. Sure. So uh, I guess first my, uh, my thoughts on, on, on staying the mind, I, I don't want my, my silence to be interpreted as any kind of approval uh, or endorsement of that strategy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think Golgari charms better if you're trying to um, do something uh, to 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 counter uh, Supreme Verdicts. This is a deck that makes so much mana. Um, I also I just you can tell I don't play control decks ever because I hate reactive cards. There's not I just I just don't like them. Um, it, it, you know I think their only home really is in a control deck or you know if you are the control role and in the matchup of any kind of aggro or mid range versus you know uh, literal control deck. Uh, you're the aggro, they're the control, and I just don't like. I just I hate reactive cards versus so here, them. This is the thing. This is the thing that you're that you're not understanding. I think. All right, let's hear it. That is okay. Golgari Charm is a reactive card, and Stain the Mind is a proactive card because <laughs> Stain the Mind gets rid of the problem before it can even happen. Whereas, I mean, that's the definition of being proactive. No, take... no, 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 no. Yes, I'm... it is. No, but but I'm saying Golgari Charm, you have to leave mana up. It's the same thing as playing counter spells. Like, you're trying to tell me that you don't want to play counter spells, but you want to play Golgari Charm, counter target Supreme Verdict. No. All you want to do is tap out and play the biggest things you can every turn with this deck. You don't want to leave mana open. Leaving mana open is wasting your life away. And the problem is they're just going to draw another one because they have all these ways to draw a billion cards and they have card selection and they have higher card quality than you. So you just really need to just take their, their bullet away. Like they can't kill me with an empty gun. If you take the bullet out of the chamber, they don't have a weapon. They just have a piece of metal, which can hurt, but it isn't going to kill you. I, I I'm just a, more of a fan of Golgari charm just because it's, potentially uh, it's just a lot more useful in a lot more situations. Well, they uh, both come in versus the deck. I mean, like, sure. And, and most of the decks that I would want Golgari charm against, I would want abrupt decay. So I actually have the one Golgari charm to abrupt decay, uh, to stain the mind for the for the control matchup, and I actually think I should have three stain the mind for the. Oh control my matchup. goodness! I hate I'm not this. Even, this is horrible. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like, no. You, you just want to have it. You want to have it. You can cast it on turn three consistently, and that's what you want is to be able to. They can cast their supreme verdict on turn four, and let me tell you something. As the guy who doesn't want them to have the supreme verdict, mm -hmm. they always have it on turn four. 
always have it. So you have to get it from them on turn three, or you're going to have it resolved against you on turn four, and you lose the game. Because they're not going to cast it on a board that isn't worth casting it on. They know what you have. They know you've got these big things. They're waiting for you to stick a big thing, and then they're going to do it. Like, they know better than to cast it on other times. And, like, and, if, you, and if you have two mana up, they're just going to use their detention sphere. And sure, you can blow it you, up. Yeah, yeah you can turn. blow up with the Golgari charm, but then they're going to verdict. Yeah, like, but you get you get to untap and swing with, like, whatever they put under the, the, the detention sphere. Um, it just has a lot more uses, I guess. Like, if you're top decking and they've got, like, an Elspeth, right? And you, you just draw the saddest stain the mind ever from, at that point. But if it's, like, Golgari charm, you can minus it, kill all the if tokens, you, you get swing in and kill... And kill an Elspeth or kill them. The stain uh, the mind isn't for later. Stain the mind is for turn three, and you get it, and they and you don't care about Elspeth at that point. You just don't care because I've got things like I've got Vraska to blow up Elspeth. You know, I've got things to deal with Elspeth. Yeah, um, I just don't feel like that's a powerful enough card. Um, it doesn't like like a card that's only good in your opening hand better like be winning you the game. Like it's got it, it better be like slaughter packed versus scape shift in modern or something like that yeah. um i i just i am not a fan of those types of strategies i always want to if i'm if i'm the aggro i want uh, sideboard cards that are proactively winning me the game um like i instead of like you know walking into supreme verdict i'd rather cast a planeswalker or something that they can't deal with uh so which, through supreme which, verdict too so so which planeswalkers were you casting on saturday um, so Domri Raid. Uh, yeah, so this kind of goes into... <laughs> so, uh, I didn't play against Control. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so basically, uh, I guess I can get into my, my tournament since I think we're going to have to agree to disagree here. Yes. On, uh, on the, that stain that you put Very in much sideboard. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's appropriately named. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> my mind with, yeah. <laughs> with the thoughts of playing bad cards in my sideboard. Uh, anyway, so... At least I cut the back to nature. What do you want from me? You had to. Anyway, let's... <laughs> moving on. Um, so I, I basically uh, decided to go into this tournament and just just punt. Punt the heck out of it. Um <laughs> I don't know. There's there's a there's a Chris Cluey or whatever joke in there somewhere, but I'm not I'm not gonna try and make it. Um, <laughs> uh, so there's a number of uh um you know calamities or not calamities, just misplays I made you know before round one. Uh, the first was uh, I just tested way too many decks uh, going into the tournament, and I didn't spend enough uh, time on any one individual deck. So there's a a lot of decks that I, I thought I could play pretty well that had a decent matchup versus a lot of uh, the metagame. Uh, so like the the week or two before F and M, I tested an update to Esper Humans that didn't really work out, or it actually wasn't that bad. I think I tried I tried to jam Spirit Bonds into Esper Humans, and that just shouldn't have been. I think just Esper Humans is actually a really good choice right now, uh, just because any kind of mid range deck that can also play Supreme Verdict um, would be really hard to deal with uh, versus the top eight that we actually did see at the SCG open in Dallas, um, you know, four mono blue decks. But um, so I tested yeah. that uh, for a little bit and I moved on for, I don't know what reason um, I had been playing uh, Nia tokens deck before the release of M15 was doing pretty well with it. 
uh, you know, I forwarded a couple of daily events online uh, when it was still V3. Um, and I really liked it. So I'd updated that list to uh, just trimmed some of the three ofs and four ofs like uh, Perforos. Um, I, instead of playing three, I played two. Um, and I just put a court of calling in and then a, a like kind of like a bunch of different one of targets, um, like Banishing Priest, which is just really sweet at instant speed. Uh, Pelucranos, which is just good in a lot of different matchups. Um, one main deck Archangel through instead of sideboard. And then it allowed me to put a bunch of just one ofs in my sideboard that I wanted to see two virtual copies of, such as uh, Reclamation Sage or um, Phyrexian Revoker. Um, and so I, I, the deck was a lot of fun to play, but actually in my testing on uh, online when after M15 came out, I was not doing that well with the deck. And I kind of just ignored those results um, to my detriment. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I put that deck aside for a little while. And then like two days before, or on Thursday, I play, I tested... Um, like this Tom Ross mono life gain white aggro deck. Uh, yeah, with uh, three Path to Bravery, um, four of the Nyx Fleece Ram main deck in your aggro deck. That's a that's a good card to run in your aggro deck. And this uh, is the guy that gives me hell about Stain the Mind. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, four Archangel Thune, four Soldier, four Radiant Fountain, um, <sighs> 26 lands and two health spells. What now, 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 my favorite thing about this mono white life gain deck mm -hmm. is what deck did you tell me the deck cannot beat? It's a it's a tough matchup, burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to draw the right parts of your deck because Nick's Fleece Ram is actually not that great versus burn, in my oh, opinion. No, no, it's just way too all. slow. It's it, yeah, it, it, it's too easy to. It, it, it's not getting you a ton of life. That's not. It's not like um, uh, Nylea, um I can't even remember the green. Uh, Nylea's disciple. Drop. Yeah, that gains you like a ton of life in one hit, or an unflinching courage on a Loxton Smiter. Like just one swing with that's going to win you the game. But you know, give them an extra turn, then you then you untap, then you gain a life. Like that's not really making the difference. So it, it was weird actually. Like versus the boss slide decks, it was amazing. Uh, but versus the, so I should go into like, I guess my testing with it that actually made me consider the deck. Um, I played it online. Uh, I played 10 matches and I, I 10 owed, which I haven't actually done before with a new deck, um, including an eight man, you know, just one an eight man. Uh, these weren't daily events. So I think, um, sadly with the transition to V4, um, some of the two man cues and even the eight man cues are just, I, I, I actually think. It might have been something to do with like people testing for the Pro Tour, but I've noticed a substantial uh, deterioration in the quality of opponents in the standard queues on Moto since V4 came out. Like I, I think people are actually not playing it, um, or at least uh, competitive players. I think they've they're just not playing V4 right now, mm -hmm. um, and so you're really getting you're still getting the same quantity of testing you were before, but you are absolutely not getting the quality of testing uh, that that you did previously. Um, I, it might also have to do with it's, you know, if you're if you're not used to it, you're going to play it a lot slower. So decks like, you know, that blue white control. I don't know how you play that thing fast enough not to time out. Um, it, uh, it it might have been some misleading test results, but regardless, I still took that deck to F and M, and I actually went two and one, losing two mono to to, to burn, <laughs> which is just 
Um, it's a very counterintuitive <laughs> result, but it, it kind of makes sense because you run three main deck um, Path of Bravery, which you, they, it only grows your creature if you're at your starting life total or higher, and that's just never going to be the case versus Burn. Um, and then beyond that, you just if they if they run Searing Bloods, you're just in a lot of trouble before you land at Archangel of Thune. And by then, they probably have a uh, Change of the Rocks, or it's just too late. So uh, I was a little discouraged with that. Um, so I, I banded that deck. And Burn had always been the backup choice for me. But I just... And I, I don't know. This is something I need to fix uh, personally. But you know, I even said it before the event that there was a a 90% chance that burn was the right choice for me to play at this event. Uh, so I, of course I went and decided to play Naya tokens <laughs> with no additional right. testing. Right. Um, and yeah, that, so that was the first, uh, or I guess second or maybe even third substantial misplay before showing up <laughs> to the, uh, the tournament. Um, you know, the next was not getting enough sleep, um, kind of getting there with, you know, not too much time to spare. We, uh, we had Peter, uh, register me because I forgot to, pre-register before the event uh so i was furiously <laughs> writing down my deck list um as you know just right before the players meeting uh did not have time for the uh, traditional starbucks beforehand so i was a little uh groggy and uh yeah not very clear-headed so uh round one i just make an absolute horrible keep um in the dark i mean i, I kept a one lander <laughs> and it was a scry land uh, but i had like you know, Elvish Mystic, Sylvan Carry Added, uh, Corsair Crufix, um, and then, you know, Gas from there. But uh, if, you know, God forbid they've been mono black, it just like thought seized me. Um, because I was, on the, I was on the draw. That would have just <laughs> been a complete disaster. Like, I don't even yeah. know what I would have done. Um, or if they were uh, an especially fast deck, then I, I was just walking into just a world of trouble. Um, Fortunately, they didn't have any removal, and it wasn't mono black. But unfortunately, it was Naya Aggro, and you know, that's a very fast deck. And by the time I was able to build up a board presence, uh, they just cast you know Brave Elements, swing for the win. Uh, game two, I played a lot better, kept a much better hand uh, after a mulligan. Um, but that one, I, I stabilized at basically one life versus one card. Or I stabilized at four life. Versus their one card, which is Boros Charm, and there's probably some 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 ways I could have played differently. Uh, having not played the deck in um, <laughs> over a week was probably an issue. Uh, I then went on to win a couple games, and then uh, got my second lost, and uh, just just decided to 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 quit right there because I, I thought I was going to play Modern the next day, and I just wanted to focus my my brain energy on regrouping and playing a good deck. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I guess, you know, the, the moral of the story, as I believe I've repeated several times now, is, uh, you know, play play what you know. That should be the default, unless right. you have a very good reason not to. And I certainly did not have a very good reason not to. And, and uh, that's like, you know, we were talking about that a bit anyway. Like, I, I was saying to you in the car on the way down there, I was like, you know, you, you made it to the top four estates with Burn, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, you lost to Alec May playing Mono Blue Devotion. And, and, and the thing is like Alec may has been playing mono blue devotion for forever. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like I I'm with a lot of, with certainty, I can almost say that he hasn't deviated from that. You know, he's played that deck at every tournament that he's shown up and paid money for. Well, uh, funny. You should mention it. You see the top eight of the, uh, yes, I yep. did. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is I was saying that I was like, 
I was like, if you if you spent every tournament because you're a great burn player if you spent every tournament that you've gone to focusing on just burn and not trying to make like riddle of lightning enter the infinite work you know what (laughs) i mean like like if you spent more testing just focusing on the deck that you're really really good at you might have beat him in that in that game and like and yeah like we said you know alec may top eight of uh of scg dallas playing mono blue devotion you know so like it just just goes to show, you know, like playing the deck, you know, and playing the deck you're really good at that you have the best chance of success with good deck for the tournament, bad deck for the tournament. It doesn't matter because your skill level with the deck can push it over the edge, you know, um, which is why I was, you know, I was fairly despite my result, I was fairly confident with my decision going into the tournament because I'd focused basically the last month just focusing on green ramp. And even before M15, you know, I was playing around with it a lot more casually, but I was still testing the waters of, of green ramp and what green ramp could do in standard, you know? So even then I had at least a basis of knowledge for the deck and for the workings of it. Um, that I felt like led me to the deck that I wound up playing. So I felt like it was a very, you know, intuitive step, you know, took steps towards what I wound up playing and I don't regret it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change, I wouldn't change a thing about the deck that I played, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I would do. I mean, like I lost, I mean, one of the losses I had, I lost to Athreos. I have no way for my deck to beat Athreos. I mean, like, um, like one of the cards that I thought about putting in my sideboard just kind of as like an emergency uh, button kind of thing is uh, Silence the Believers. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and I still, and now in looking at it, I think that that might have been a solid one or two of for my sideboard just to be able to deal with weird crap that I don't know how else to deal with. You know, like Athreos comes down. Like I, w- like I was playing against like a black white tokens um, kind of list that was running like precinct captains and stuff like that. The card would have definitely come in because it because it did not it did not run much removal at all. So I was able to ramp to the heavens. You know, um, so I would have easily been able to silence for at least two. Uh, and if I exiled the Zathrid Necromancers, they wouldn't have created tokens. You know, so it would have been a really good choice against that deck. And especially if I would have seen Athreos come down, I'd have been able to exile it. Yeah. Um, well, assuming that it was ever active. I'm not sure. I never actually – I don't remember if didn't it ever – Didn't do the count. I don't ever it – it didn't matter at that point. It wasn't, it wasn't relevant that it got active or not. Yeah, um, in, every, in every white deck I've played like so far since it's been legal – uh, every sideboard has at least like one banishing light, just as like a I don't know panic button. Um, get rid of whatever permanent you want. Uh, right. I, I, I like just having at least one, just universal. It, it, you know, almost never dead, uh, unless you know you're playing that blue white uh, <laughs> planar cleansing control deck. Yeah, uh, almost never dead card. Right, and like I've even I even saw some burn decks um, at the uh, Super IQ I played in a couple weeks ago. Uh, with banishing lights on the board after after uh, board, after sideboarding, um, so I mean, and that's not even that's not even a terrible plan for them, like to have a catch all like that. I mean, like 
you know. Uh, I've got issues with that. <laughs> it, 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 it hits whip of Erebos, you know. I mean, like, there's just like certain things that could that could really shut you down, and uh, it takes care of them. I mean, like, yeah, I'm sure it wasn't more of a than a one of, and yeah. I'm not saying it's the best possible thing. But some decks, you just need a fifth chain to the rocks, and it hits those things, and it hits enchantments, too. Um, I mean, it would hit unflinching courage. You know, I mean, like, there's just, like, things it would hit that wouldn't be bad. Of course, wear and tear takes care of that, but I don't know. I don't think it's a horrible choice. It's not the best choice, but it's not exactly terrible, especially, like, as, like, a 15th sideboard card where, like, you know, Burning Earth has, has failed as that, and, like, a lot of other cards have failed as the 15th sideboard card for burn, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, why not Banishing Light? I mean... Yeah, as a one-of, I, I don't have a problem with that. That's fine. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, um, speaking of the fact that you're a good burn player, hmm. um, you did wind up playing in the modern side event, and you won a box of M15. Yeah. Um, yeah, I ultimately didn't get to play the, the IQ. Um, there were some complications between... Uh, the night before and and the uh, the very very early start to the uh, the the super IQ the next day, but uh, uh, I did um, I wanted to try out a uh, update to red white burn in modern, and uh, I got the I got the list from uh, I hope I'm saying this right Sander Vanderzee, uh, he won a PTQ in the Netherlands and um, uh, asked him for his updated list. I uh, heard him on the uh, the Brainstorm Brewery podcast uh, and uh, just made a few changes since I didn't have all the cards on me. Um, I think I ran like um, Ensnaring Bridge, which I like. Yeah. But uh, I just didn't have any on me. Um, and it, it also – so th- it's running Boros Charm with off of uh, eight Fetchlands and three Sacred Foundries. But it's also doing the plan – I've seen a lot of burn decks online um, enact, which is one main deck – Stomping ground for three or even four uh, sideboard destructive revelries, which is the uh, red and a green uh, instant that destroys target uh, enchantment or artifact and its controller loses two life. And basically that is there. Uh, it's obviously good versus boggles and and a, a few other matchups, but it's really there because if someone has Leyline of Sanctity, you're just out of luck. You're just dead, yeah. Like previously, the burn, the the modern burns game plan was, uh, don't play against, um, don't play against decks that run that card. Like just try to dodge that. <laughs> Hopefully, people don't have that in their sideboard, and you'll be okay. And I'd I'd seen a few plans. Like so, that's one plan. And the other, um, I think Ari Lax wrote about it was, which is like, since you're already splashing white, is to run a couple uh, War Priest of Thune. Which I, I I don't know how I feel about that. Um. It, I, I'd like to try it out, but uh, I, I was dubious on both of those plans. Warpriest. Uh, so what is Warpriest says? Destroy target. It's when it enters the battlefield. Yeah. So it's a one and a white for a two-two. And when it enters the battlefield, destroy target enchantment. And it's only enchantment. It's not artifact. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. It's a little too specific. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could see where it's coming from. You don't have to splash another color, and it, it swings for two, which is very nice. Right, I do love the flexibility of Revelry, though. I mean, I really do love the fact that it hits Artifact or Enchantment and deals some damage and is instant speed. Um, I feel like the Splash is worth that, especially, like, you know, when you're facing down the kind of deck that you were facing um, in the final. Oh, yeah, so... um, (laughs) I don't... I can't even remember all the cards in it. It was an awesome deck. 
Yeah, so in the finals, there's a red-white, just like, just hate control deck. It, Some, it ran. Somebody called it a pillow fort deck. Yeah, it's basically kind of like modern pillow fort because it ran, um, God, uh, ensnaring bridge. It ran damping matrix. Yeah, damping matrix. Um, just it, it just put a complete lock on you. And in the sideboard, obviously, it had um, leyline of sanctity. Uh, that uh, wasn't main deck. I don't know. It very well could have been. Um, it was just it was an interesting like it's basically one condition was like Chandra Pyromaster. Uh, a Johnny Vengeant and a um, a symbol of Legion. Yeah, which was just it, it was really cool. It uh, was really cool. Like I just like stopped what I was doing and watched this guy play his deck. Like, um, and then and you know like watched him play the round before and then play Steven in the final. And I was I was having fun. I like modern. Let me say that right now. I actually like modern a lot. Wow. <laughs> I like modern. I like I like watching it. I think it's an interesting format. Um, you know, it's it's growing on me a lot. Um, uh, I'll I'll go back to this. I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. Let's finish this talk though. So. Um, yeah, sure. So. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He he drops an ensnaring bridge, but that doesn't really uh, in game one. So I play him in the finals. I think round one I played against Red Green Tron. And um, there's, you know, you have three Molten Reigns on the sideboard. Um, and that's actually a pretty decent matchup. Uh, it's it's a much better matchup than the blue one where they, where they have, like, actual counter spells. Uh, so won that. Uh, round two, I played a pretty cool <laughs> deck, too. It was Waste Knot. It was, like, Grixis, Waste Knot, Rack. It was eight Rack, Grixis with Waste Knot in it. Did you remember the card? Oh, God. I wrote it down. Oh, I know it. I, I know remember it. it. Wishful thinking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'd never I'd, so the most amazing thing to me is that I've been playing magic for 19 years and like I've bought collections I've I've owned like tens of thousands of of like scrap commons and uncommons I've owned so many cards when I moved to Texas I sold 38,000 bulk commons and uncommons right I've owned and sorted and looked through a lot of magic cards in my life. So when I see a card like wishful thinking that I'd actually never seen before in my entire life, it's always really thrilling to me. So (laughs) (laughs) wishful thinking, man. So it's a blue and two. It's in an instant or is it a sorcery? I think it's a sorcery. It's like target player draws two cards, then discards four cards. Yeah, I've um, never seen that before. Wow. And uh, playing it with Waste Knot, like he's like, I can just chain spells together. It was like such a cool deck. I really liked it. I like, I mean, I've said that when we were talking about spoilers, Waste Knot and 8-Rack, man. It's, it's perfect. It's it's a perfect fit for that de- for that card. Yeah, there's a lot of cool cards that aren't necessarily like Inquisition of Kozilek or Thoughtseize that make your opponent discard. Um, so, I, and that, that's what that was a new one to me, wishful thinking. And there's there's also like Burning Inquiry where each player it's just one one mm-hmm. red, one red. Yep. Yeah, each player draws three and then discards three at random, which is uh-huh. awesome. Yeah. So it, it was a cool deck, but um, it just never really got off the ground and was a little too slow versus um, versus my deck. So uh, in the finals, it was the red white. Um, Hate, which the deck was actually it beat a very good affinity uh, deck. Yeah. Uh, 
to get there. I yeah, think Drew. Drew. Uh, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Drew Eafreight or something like that. Yeah, I think he won a modern PTQ with Affinity this season. So yeah, uh, he's a very the, talented player. Yeah, the deck's very good against uh, the the red white hate deck's very good against Affinity. Um, even though it still has outs to Ensnaring Bridge, uh, but not Ensnaring Bridge plus Dampening Matrix. That's that's pretty <laughs> tough. <laughs> um, yeah, d- d- uh, Steven just kept going. So much hate. It was just, so oh yeah, hate. hate's real. Was, yeah, <laughs> hate, 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 hate. Yeah, I mean you could get around it. You can get around. I hate this. you. I hate yeah. you. I don't even know you, but I hate your guts. I hope all the bad things <laughs> in life happen to you and no one else but you. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I posted that about you and uh, EDH. Um, that's right. And, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, um, as an aside, as an affinity player, you can get around the ensnaring bridge, and he he obviously knows this, but like, um, I think you're gonna swing with like an ornithopter since you can swing with an empty hand and then just activate uh, the instant speed part of, uh, uh, I can't remember the Mark equipment. Thing. No, no, the equipment. Yeah, you can either do, you can. No, uh, no, but he had blood moon. He was blood mooned. He yeah, like, he was blood mooned and he was um, ensnaring bridged and he was dampening matrix. So yeah, there was like was cranial at, plating. You can yeah. use the instant speed part of cranial plating, swing with the ornithopter, instant speed, attach it after you've declared it as an attacker. But he couldn't. And and yeah, but he could he could do anything. It was yeah, yeah, because he only had one. Because I was looking at that too. I was like, man, if only he could just instant speed the plating. But like, yeah, he had to have double black. He only had one Mox Opal out. Yeah, like, he he only had the one. You can't it, play a second. You know, he can't do it at instant speed because it's an artifact. He could play two, but he'd still have to equip at sorcery yeah, speed. Yeah, it's just yeah, it was. Um... Does Dampening Matrix even care about mana abilities? I'm not even sure. I don't even really remember what it is. Is it like activated abilities of artifacts can't be activated? It's, um, uh, let's see, I got it right here. Activated abilities of artifacts and creatures can't be activated. Oh, unless they're mana abilities. So that gets around it, I guess. But yeah, you'd have to have two of them. And anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a rough one. Uh, that when you, when you have the lock, it, it basically... Yeah, it puts together a lock on the game. It's pretty. It was, it was almost a hard lock. I mean, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was really insane to watch. Um, but uh, regardless, I, I played against the red white uh, hate control deck in the finals. Um, the game one was over pretty quickly. Um, he got down like an ensnaring bridge and I think a blood moon, but that didn't really uh, do much since I'm just sending damage to the face. Um, game two, uh, it, it definitely proved the worth of, uh, the sideboard plan. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, game two, um, he opens up with two, uh, ley lines of sanctity, which is, uh, pretty, pretty tough to beat. Um, but I, I fortunately had a hand with one, uh, destructive revelry and I actually drew the second one like just in time because he eventually, he was going to play a maggot magus of the moon. Um, the turn after I was able to blow up uh, the second one. So I was able to do, uh, so I was able to blow up the first one. Uh, then turn three, he was able to play a Magus of the moon and I was able to, in response, tap my stomping ground and blow up the second uh, ley line of sanctity. Yeah. And, uh, get the win, which was pretty, pretty it, sweet. So it was a thrilling match. And it was so funny. He was like, Oh, you've got the second, Oh, you got the second destructive revelry. I'm like, how is it okay for, I even said this out loud. I was like, <laughs> yeah. how is it okay for you to have the double ley line, but it's not okay for him to have the double destructive revelry. I mean, like, you know, he wasn't like salty about it. You know, no, he was no, just, he's really nice. Yeah. It was funny. No, he was, he was a great guy, but it was just like a really funny interaction. And it was great too, because like, 
his people were all seated on sitting on his side of the table and your people were sitting on your side of the table. And it was just really funny. I kept saying that like, we should do it like a rap battle. Like every time someone plays a land or plays a spell, like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. Like just kind of like start. Yeah. Like- I was, uh, yeah, I was making uh West side story jokes with uh, <laughs> sharks and jets, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I sympathize because normally you'd feel pretty, pretty safe playing uh with double leyline sanctity versus a burn player so, so do we call do we call that deck uh silky johnson or buck nasty <laughs> that's good that's a deep one you went deep there um i think i know i think we should actually nickname that deck uh one of the two because i think it's a really cool deck and it is just a hate 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 deck so do we call it buck silky- nasty buck nasty is just a great name I would just call it dolphin teeth if you want me to go really deep. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> wow. Uh... Buck nasty. I, I agree. Okay, so that's red, white, buck nasty. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a cool deck. Um, so that was awesome. So you won a box, um, mm-hmm. and uh, congrats. You salvaged something out of the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was very good. Um, it's good to see somebody come away with something out of the entire weekend. All right, man. Well, uh, I think uh, I think we've covered everything. Everything. It's gonna uh, be a- Bile Blight's gonna be the FNM promo. You didn't even mention in that. September. I think so. Yeah, I was That's looking at a that picture. Sweet promo. It's super gross looking. Everyone's like melting. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Good, good. Well, I love that. That's a good promo. Yeah. Let's go out on a high note. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. So uh, that's all we have for this week. We are Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching. Start brewing. Never encounter fights with self-defense, leg swipes, alcohol, toss, molotovs, throwing dynamite. Now they get caught up in a hype for being so tight. Sag with your jeans was hella mean, but right strike. Android thinking combined. Leroy Jenkins outlined the highest price. Hip-hop, you rep vaguely. I'm consistent, fresh, daily. I maintain the quiet life during open mics. Expectations is too high. Dreams holding it. I've lost friends and loved ones. Couldn't cope with the pursuit. Yo MTG Taps is available every other Thursday on legitmtg.com, iwantmymtg.com, mtgcast.com, and iTunes. Email us, yomtgtaps at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr, yomtgtaps.tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter, at yomtgtaps. Follow me on Twitter at OMGWTFBHJFTW. Follow Steven on Twitter at M00NPI. Follow Joey on Twitter at Affinity for Blue. Featuring music by You'll Never Know and Logic Marsalis. Available at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>